Talks with AQ. We are back at it again in full effect, talking about motivation, music, and anything of today. I have a special guest today. Please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Hadley. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And who are you, Hadley? What what do you do? A cat mom. (laughs) Oh, snap. Wow. Inspirational. Um, I guess more professionally, I am um, a poet, author, and journalist. Um, I have a book called Killer, which is a narrative poem that came out in October of 2017. Right now, I am a journalist for The Roar and now Habersham, and I'm currently working on my next book right now. Oh, snap. You are the top tier renaissance (laughs) of this age. Oh, my goodness does it all writes her own books poetry how do you do it even during school like how do you do that oh yeah well i'm i'm a senior at piedmont college this year um so i will be finishing my degree in the spring um with a major in english yeah and um, a minor in mass communication um i don't sleep much (laughs) (laughs) no sleep for the week no no (laughs) I'm also the uh, president of um, Sigma Tau Delta, the college's English Honor Society, oh, um, as well as managing social media for um, the Roar, our campus media. Um, so that while also working for um, now Habersham and trying to keep up with classes, certainly a lot, but I have a really great support system of both people on campus, friends, professors, um, my boyfriend, and my wonderful family at home, and this very cute cat named Stinky. Does a great job. Stinky. Hey, Stinky. <laughs> we wouldn't be here without Stinky. For real. No. <laughs> that is amazing. How has college been affected, like COVID and all that? How have oh. you adjusted? Um. Well, <laughs> there. Is, it's very different. Um. The places on campus that have always been packed since I've been here, there is you know, forced social distancing, which is great. Um, masks are required on campus, which is awesome. And I like, I really have to give Piedmont just like a thumbs up for doing that. A lot of businesses and institutions haven't had the guts to just tell people that mask up or get off campus. Cause it's, you know, they, it, it shows that they really care about their students. Right. Um, for students like me with compromised immune systems due to health issues, it's really important for our colleges and the people around us to take our health seriously. So Piedmont has really shown as an institution that they care about their students. So we're uh, seeing a lot of social distancing. Everyone is masked. Um, professors that need, students need to see their um, lips moving. They've been wearing face shields. Um, classes are being divided up. So we're looking at some um, of those larger gen eds being split into online groups and in-person groups so that there are less people in the classroom and that does allow for more social distancing. Um, the calf is, uh, the seating is limited. Um, there's no self-serve anymore. You have to wait. Wow. <laughs> One of those lovely people, the calf, who I love to talk to. I get to talk to them more now. That oh, they're, snap. All right. <laughs> interesting. Um, I think the worst part about all of the social distancing and COVID changes that we've seen on campus is that in the interest of sanitation, we're seeing a lot of one-use things on campus, such as utensils, uh, cups, that kind of thing, which is really hard to watch as someone who cares a lot about the environment. Right. Very frustrating. But I've been trying to carry around my own utensils and what I can. Because I understand the point the college is coming from and Mm. trying to just make decisions that are better for the student body. All right. So I don't know what's been going on, but has there been like students that like don't abide by the mask rule? Because I know it's college. I know there's rebels out there. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) 
So I was actually really surprised by the amount of people wearing masks and doing what they were uh, told to do. Um, but there was, as anyone that has gone to Piedmont knows, there is this thing called the Piedmont app, where the mask <laughs> is just everywhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, the Piedmont app could be a drinking game. <laughs> we had a student go on and uh, tell everyone that was on the app, hi, please wear your mask. We had a huge party happen in the village, um, which is the off-campus apartment right. residence hall um, that doesn't abide by traditional on-campus rules. Yeah. You've lived there, so you know, but yeah. there's- Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, there's alcohol allowed <laughs> and visitation policy is different. So there was a huge party here where there was alcohol and probably some other things and no one was wearing masks oh. and when that person went on the piedmont app and said hey can we make sure that everyone's wearing masks because i signed up for something different there were a lot of people that on the app said they were going to do what they wanted oh. and there were insults being thrown from every direction and just some really awful things being said um and it was both both on the app and in person because i oh, lived under oh. some of the people that were involved in the argument and i was hearing things oh snap about yeah. throw hands yelled <laughs> yeah so, um, i actually ended up leaving campus during that just because i couldn't get right anything done right and my phone was blowing up and, uh. um, but, <laughs> for the most part people have been really good <laughs> okay that's good that's good that's just <laughs> that's just so surprising to me, but kind of funny in a way. Cause I mean, you would think common sense. Hey, man, wear a mask. You know, we got all these people out here. You know, with you know, with not as good immune systems as you know the next person. So please, you know, protect your fellow man and woman, and please wear your mask, please. Yeah, Come I don't understand it. how this is an <laughs> argument. <laughs> we trying to live so that 2021 and all we can like. Go back to our somewhat normal, I guess. <laughs> I have been begging people to just put on the mask so that we could get Halloween 2020. And oh, I'm going to miss out on my favorite holiday because people are too selfish to put on a mask. Oh, oh no. It was going to be on a full moon on a weekend. Oh. Disclaimer, everybody. Please wear your mask so we can have Halloween 2020 because it's full moon. Please, please, please. Sponsored by Hadley. <laughs> <laughs> So more into your writing and, you know, you've written a book, you enjoy poetry, you're also in journalism with The Roar. How did you get into your passion for that? Oh my God. It's okay. Take your time. <laughs> That's you got time. such a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, I asked all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first time I remember writing, I was probably in first grade. It was definitely when I was in um, St. Louis and I had a little journal that my mom had given me and I decided I was gonna write a book, which is very ambitious for as That's young as I was and my very loose grip on grammar, but I did it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't totally remember what the story was about, but it was something about a magic carpet in Hawaii. I'd read it. <laughs> I would like to rewrite it as an adult. <laughs> you should. Uh, but I was really, really involved in that. And I loved creative writing. Uh, I got published in the school newspaper in second or third grade for an article that I wrote about uh, our our breakfast with Santa. <laughs> Something <laughs> like that that the school had. And I loved it. So I continued to write. I entered into creative writing competitions throughout school. Uh, I was in my school newspaper in middle school and high school. And in high school, my ambitions were a little bit bigger than the school <laughs> was wanting. Uh, I, I, I noticed a class issue at my school um related to kids not being able to afford a lot of the things that uh senior year brings 
And one of those things I decided to talk about was class rings and how the school only had one option for where you could buy class rings and right. how overpriced they were. I mean, we're talking hundreds of dollars for a ring. Mm -hmm. And it was, it really bothered me because, you know, while I wasn't one of those people that really wanted a class ring, I know that was something that other people my age did care about and really bothered me. So I, and I was a sophomore in high school, so my journalism skills were nowhere near as refined as they are now, not to say I'm an amazing journalist, I'm still learning. Right, um, right, always. But <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this story basically saying, like, these are super overpriced for what they are and it's mm -hmm. not fair that kids don't have another option and they didn't like that <laughs> and we didn't publish the story and i didn't really get published in the paper again after a wow it's like i don't know about this so um i left the school newspaper and i didn't really intend on going back to it I loved creative writing and I continued to do it. Um, I won an award for my junior or senior year for um, a very big story about the moon, which is something I wrote for the Young Authors Fair and that made it to state level. Um, but I didn't do any more journalism uh, and I planned on coming to Piedmont College fully for creative writing where I had been wooed by the English department here. <laughs> wooed. <laughs> they, they knew how to talk to me, they were like, here are our opinions on the poetry, and here is uh, our thoughts on the writing. And I was like, I'm here. You've uh, gotten my attention. But I was, uh, my, my face facilitator, the person that was I was staying with during this orientation kind of thing, um, was Olivia Morley, who okay. some people might know is a, a journalist. And she was so cool and I loved talking to her and I felt like so grown up just getting to have <laughs> conversations with her. And she was like, you know what? I know you're here for creative writing, but I'm gonna bring you into the mass comm facility and you're gonna talk to Dr. Dennis. And I said, whom? And she brought me in and told Joe my story about uh, <laughs> essentially getting kicked off the newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, if you come to Piedmont, you're writing for me. And I said, mm, okay, maybe I will. And then I ended up at Piedmont and I ended up at the Roar and I told him during the first meeting, I don't have any problems exposing people. Oh yeah, you don't. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I got involved in college journalism and lawsuits and allegations Ooh. Ooh. and lawyers and court documents and <laughs> got some awards in that I guess I guess I'm okay at it I don't know <laughs> got a job got a whole J-O-B <laughs> so I I think I just stumbled into journalism I knew that I wanted to write I've always wanted to write but and being a journalist sounds really cool in theory you see it in movies and whatever oh, yeah definitely getting into it and then it being something that I found that I loved and that it was something that I wanted aside from you know I I love my creative writing and I know people like my creative writing too because they like it enough to buy it but having this other thing where I feel like I'm able to really do something for the people not just to create art that is you know for myself but other people you know use that for healing and that's great but I want to get people to a place where they can heal and if journalism is a good way to do that then I'm gonna do it I want people to be able to live the lives that they want and get out of situations where maybe they're being oppressed or they're being used and if I can use my voice my privilege my platform to get that information out then yeah I'm gonna do it <laughs> I respect that <laughs> yeah so I just I love it <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not y'all Hadley used to like barge into my office because I used to work in the mass communication office and she would always be on the phone trying to set things up in motion. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wait, hold up. Like <laughs> yeah, I can remember that because I'd get calls from like lawyers or whatever. I'm like, I need quiet. Right I need quiet. <laughs> I mean, shut up. 
<laughs> I got stuff to do. Okay. I was like, all right, you got it. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm just here. <laughs> I'll step out if need be. All right, confidential. All right, I got you. Draw a cat on your door and. <laughs> Always, I love the, I love the cat drawings. <laughs> all right. So, what would you say is your favorite moment in your career thus far, currently? Okay. I used to be really scared of this, but I'm going to own it. I have decided. Own it. I'm going to own it. So I was covering this lawsuit, Piedmont College and Professor, and it was messy and scary and being someone who wasn't a journalist that was still a student, I didn't know 100% what I was doing. And we had a small staff and I didn't have a lot of the resources that big papers have. Um, so covering the story and learning legal jargon and all very scary for someone who was, I was, I was 20 when this happened. Um, so just like barely out of being a teenager. <laughs> right. And, um, I screwed up in covering the story. Um, I, mixed up the words um wow can't even remember the words <laughs> I, I mixed up two words that were super important that you cannot mix up right. um i'll remember and then i'll feel really stupid but i it because i screwed up these two words i flipped the meaning i completely changed the meaning of the story mm -hmm. and while that seems like maybe, you know, those, those just switching words might just be like an oops, it was a big deal. And I got an angry call and I had people emailing me and I was so embarrassed because this was something that I thought that I could do better than that. I thought, you know, I, I didn't think that I was perfect, but I was a little arrogant and thinking that, you know, I knew what I was doing. And I didn't. Um, and I was so embarrassed. And so I went and I talked to our executive director and I was like, I need to publish an apology. This needs fixed. We have to fix this in an online edition because we can't fix it in print. Um, and I need to talk to some other adults because I'm, I'm a baby. <laughs> you know, I right. didn't know what I was doing. Right. Um, and I thought, you know, this is over for me. This is a huge deal. And so, um, um, I published the apology and I fixed it, you know, what I could, and I contacted a local journalist and I said, Hey, um, we've talked briefly before, but I would really like to talk to you about something that happened that I think that talking to someone more so in the profession would be you know, more, more, more equipped to explain right. and help me figure out how to make it better. And so I went and I met with her and I explained my situation and what I had done and how, how embarrassed I was and worrying that maybe I had tarnished the name of the publication of my journalism. And she told me, you're a student, you're learning. This is a really big story for a student publication to be handling. You did your best given what you had and you did what you could to fix it and fixing it is what's important and i was like yeah okay and then um i ended up talking to this person more and they saw my writing and she was like can i offer you a job <laughs> <laughs> look at that so i i started going in with you know i think i've ruined myself i've ruined my career when I just made a mistake that, you know, people make mistakes, failure happens. And I don't think we talk about that enough in exactly. industry in academics. We don't talk about failure as a way to learn. And so while I hate, my goodness, <laughs> while, I, while I hate that I did mess up and that I might've confused some people or misled someone, I'm glad that I learned from it. I'm glad that I was able to fix my mistake. And I'm glad that I was able to learn from it and get guidance from other people. And I think that that mistake, while it sucked, and I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm still pretty embarrassed by it, that it happened. 
but I'm so glad that I learned everything I did from that. So I, while I, I hate that it happened, it has probably been one of the most defining moments of my career. And yeah, I, I actually, that series of articles is what I ended up winning an award in investigative journalism. Well, I mean, while I did screw up that, that one time, you know, while I, I messed up, but I did do something good there. And I did get that information out and I did cover something that other people weren't covering. And um, yeah. All right. Look at that. You answered two of my questions. <laughs> you already did it. Because the second question was going to be, where was the time when you failed and you rose to success? Well, look at that. You rose to success. Wow. <laughs> look at you ahead of the game. You watch the show? Like, what? <laughs> Something I don't know about, like what? <laughs> I'm a journalist. I know uh, the questions before you're gonna ask them. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm a journalist. I hear the questions before you ask. Them. <laughs> All right, that's a quote. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make that the episode. I'm a journalist. <laughs> I know the questions before you ask them. You're right. So, what does being a journalist mean to you? Giving power to people who don't have it. I, like I think. That over the course of the free press the whole purpose of it is to be for the people and um from the beginning of good journalism like think like upton sinclair in the jungle going through and telling people the horrors of you know the food they were eating the people were that were producing the food how badly they were treated giving people a sense of clarity and understanding of something that they didn't know before or those people that were being manipulated by that industry finally having a, a voice and a platform to be heard and protected uh, i think that journalism is the practice of giving people power and a voice um, from covering protests to covering workplace um words <laughs> <laughs> words <laughs> from um just any any place or time that someone isn't being heard or their voice is being diminished i think that's where journalism steps in and i think that it's my ethical responsibility as a writer as a journalist as someone who believes in power and justice change to give those who might not have had a voice a platform. I, li I like that how you worded that. Question. That answered it full, <laughs> fully. Definitely. Definitely. <clears throat> now you mentioned the protests and goodness, you've been watching this show. You already know what I'm going to ask next. How do you feel about our present political climate? Um, so I don't like like the president. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, the world right now is very scary. It is. We are in the midst of a pandemic. We are in the midst of extreme um, change and justice and standing up for what we know is right. And um, while it would be very, very easy for me to look at the world and say, we are screwed and everything is bad, right. because looking at a lot of people in power, I, I do feel that way. There are a lot of people that do not represent the population of the United States. I'm also seeing all of these people that previously couldn't speak up getting the opportunity to, mm -hmm. being able to protest, being able to talk to representatives that are like them, that make themselves available to them. Um, people like Stacey Abrams registering thousands of Georgians to vote, giving people that couldn't vote the ability to get places where they can now. Um, I think that while everything that we're seeing is so frustrating, it is also so exciting that we are finally making some steps in the right direction to give people th their voice. I mean, I feel like that's such a that's such a thing that I keep repeating and thing we keep hearing, but it is such an essential human right to be able to speak. And 
whether literally or figuratively you're having that taken from you, you shouldn't. You should have every right to have your voice be heard as a journalist, as an American, as um, an advocate. I, I believe to have your voice be heard is essential to democracy, to just being a human and having human rights. That's a good way to put it. You definitely like nailed it on the head because, you know, there's so many things going on and we need to use our voice. Like mm-hmm. the most important thing, use your voice. Even if you can't make it to protest and stuff like that, use your voice. We got Yeah, it. and especially people that are in privileged positions like I am. I'm a white woman and right. I am... <laughs> I mean, I'm doing pretty well with, you know, my, my family is pretty privileged. Mm-hmm. I need to be using my privilege to give a voice to people that don't have the same privileges I do. And, you know, whether that is financials, giving that to organizations that need help funding their missions, whether that is shutting up to let someone else speak. You know, I think that we forget that just because we have really good intentions doesn't mean that we always know what to say and what to do. Listening is so freaking important for us right now, especially white people. We need to shut up. (laughs) Listen more, talk less. (laughs) That's all you got to do. It would prevent all of them Facebook paragraphs that I'd be seeing. Y'all don't be writing essays when you be told to, but you don't write a paragraph. (laughs) Yeah, and getting out of our echo chambers sometimes. Yep, that is true. So coming from, like, your perspective uh, and the roar, how has the roar done with, like, things in the political climate? Has there been any, like, type stories that have been covered that represent? Or has it been, like, more reserved? I, I can't speak for the paper as much as I used to be right. able to. Um, I have kind of stepped away from the roar in the sense of being uh, constantly involved ever since I got okay. offered a job in Habersham okay. and that's mostly what my writing is. But okay. I can say that as the social media manager, um, when the Black Lives Matter movement really took off recently, uh, I thought that it was really important for us to make our stance on that very clear. Right. Um, I feel like silence is... Uh, uh, way louder <laughs> than right. saying anything. Um, so I was like, okay, guys, I think we need to make a Black Lives Matter post. I think we need to make our stance on this clear. And I think we need to offer um, our platform to people that might want to speak up. And everyone was on board. And um, so we went in, I did a graphic. And while it was mostly well received, we did have some backlash for it. And I tried to explain, you know, why we're taking this position, um, why saying all lives matter is hurtful, why we have to make a distinction between people that say I don't see color really bother me because it's it's very obvious. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't want to admit that there's racism in your family and in your Mm. personal um, experiences and I don't think any white person is totally innocent of racism. I think there is always something that we have been taught that we have um, experienced due to institutionalized racism. Saying I don't see color is some BS. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever I see this kind of mentality, um, I'm trying, and especially from being a social media manager for the war, I'm trying so hard to be nice and explain. <laughs> um, and I think that's really important for us right. to continue to have those conversations and try to be as nice as we can when we do. Now, I'm not saying if someone is using like terrible language and just <laughs> being an awful, awful person and just being straight up racist, I think it's okay to yell at them. <laughs> but yeah. I think we need to yeah. try to have productive conversations right now. Right. So that's what I'm trying to do. And I think that's what the war is trying <laughs> to do have productive conversations and give people platforms to share what they've experienced and i think personal experiences are a lot harder to argue with than facts and numbers yeah exactly because you you can't speak against my personal experience because that experience is theirs 
So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's kind of counterintuitive. Oh, they're not. But look, I experienced this, so you can't really speak for me. Like, you just got to listen, listen, mm-hmm. and think about it. Think first. Think before you talk. Like your mom used to say, think before you talk. True. <laughs> All right. That was a good answer. Look at you. I'm going to give a good clap. Hadley got the gems, the wisdom. Oh, man. Why is beyond her? Someone else asked me the questions. <laughs> oh, goodness. Where do you think we will go from here? Oh, and like politics? Like in the world today, like where will we go from here? What do you see? What do you hope? What do I hope versus what I see? Yes, <laughs> hope versus what um, you see. Well, Okay, so I'm at that really weird end of a millennial beginning of Gen Z where I don't really fit into either. Right. So I'm like very very clueless about what TikTok is. I'm like trying to understand it, but all I see is cat videos on there, which is like, I guess that means I'm like a cat lady. I don't don't know. Um, But like, I also can't relate to some millennial topics. So Mm -hmm. like, I'm at this really weird spot in between where I'm trying to get um, an understanding of both, but I am seeing Gen Z a really, really aggressive and passionate um, belief in social and political change. Mm -hmm. And seeing these kids have so much fire for um, changing the world that they live in is really exciting for me to see. And, you know, I think that that fire is also spreading to the people around them and their parents seeing the uh, things that they care about and their family members and their friends and um, I think that these kids are going to be an insane change for our country. And we're seeing, you know, millennials like ourselves and older millennials that have some of that fire too are old enough to start going into positions of political power. Right. And able to you know, get into professions where they can make their voices heard, like journalism or um, being activists and motivational speakers and able able to finally create some of that change that they've been dying to see. And I think that is super exciting. And that gives me so much hope that we're gonna start seeing the change that we've wanted to see since we were kids, you know? We grew up during all of this turmoil, seeing people that we were friends with lose their homes um, because of the market crash. And um, we've seen pandemics. We have seen horrible things happen in other schools. And we have all of this drive to change the world. And I think that we're going to start seeing that soon. And I'm really, really excited about it. But in order to do that, we have to keep voting. We have to stay in the loop of what's happening politically we have to continue to listen and read and learn and write and um, i think as long as we keep pursuing our education um not just academic education but our social education we are going to see uh, such amazing changes in the world and i have a lot of faith and a lot of hope in people right now now what's that versus to what you really see (laughs) What I really see is um, a lot of old people on Facebook that refuse to learn anything. I think there are so many people that are so set in being right that they aren't willing to learn. Right. And that is scary to me. That is scary. I see that in people in college too, which is like your whole point of being here is to learn. Exactly. And you're refusing to learn because you don't want it to contradict what you already think. Unlearning is harder to do than learning. And I totally get that. You know, there were a lot of biases that I used to have that I learned more about and learned why those biases were wrong um, just by listening and being on platforms where I could be educated and um, experiencing new things. Um, I used to be incredibly homophobic. 
Wow. When I was 13, 14. (laughs) I would not have expected that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I grew up in in the church and was Mm -hmm. surrounded by people that told me gay is bad. I didn't, Uh I didn't know. I was just saying what I'd heard. Right. Yeah, I can understand having that fear of something you don't understand. And I think by giving up some of your pride, giving up some of yourself to learn how to love better and to be a better person, that's what's going to make all the difference. But people have to stop being selfish first and understand that to build a better community, to build better society, we have to make decisions for everyone else, not just ourselves. Definitely. Disclaimer, sponsored by Hadley. She has the gems. <laughs> okay, well, you said you are working at now Habersham. How has that been? Awesome. It's been incredible. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> to, <laughs> getting to experience this community in a different way and you know, um, hearing people's stories you think that there's not a lot happening in small town America. Yeah. And then you get into it and you realize there is so much happening here. The politics up here are insane. Wow. I'm like, politics and all that aside, I'm getting (laughs) to learn about people in this area that, you know, I don't think I would have given any thought to uh, getting to know before. And that is some of my bias that, you know, I, I see, um, I hear the Southern accent and some part of me is just like, oh. <laughs> which <laughs> I, that's, that's absolutely bias. And in my time here and listening to these people and hearing their stories, I'm thinking, you know, I associate this sound with Southern stereotypes, people yeah. that don't care about other people because of the color of their skin or people that are willfully ignorant when that isn't always the case. And just getting to talk to these people and hear about their lives and their dreams and their struggles has been really incredible. And I also think I am working for one of the most incredible people in the world. Her name is Joy Purcell. She is the owner and publisher of Now Habersham. She is incredible. I mean, like, she's insanely smart. She is, uh, she, she, I I can't even put into words how cool she is and what an honor it is to work for her. Like, the world should watch out because (laughs) Joy could take it out if she wanted to. (laughs) Watch out, world. Journalists is getting real. Journalism is on the map. Uh Uh-uh. Don't don't play. Mm -mm. All right. That leads me to the next question. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Why would you <laughs> ask me that question? I don't know. This is just the question I ask everybody. Like, so. <laughs> you take your time. If you're like, <laughs> I plead the fifth. As a senior <laughs> in college, I have no clue what's going on. She got no clue. I'm tired. <laughs> I just want my capstone to be over. I don't know where I'm going to be in five years of mean. I just <laughs> hope I'm employed. That's where I am right now. There we go. You heard it here first. <laughs> I don't know why you asked me that, but it's going to be what it be after this <laughs> capstone. All right. I feel that. I feel that. So how has the capstone process been going? I know you're probably in the second week, right? School? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm doing an English capstone, which is a lot different than a master capstone which you've seen up close and personal yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so i'm trying to get the best of both worlds because i'm going into journalism i am doing a paper right now on truth versus fact those things that we hold to ourselves to be truths from personal experiences from generational trauma and beliefs those things that we decide are our truths biases religious commentary that kind of thing versus what is fact, you know, numbers, data, studies, results, um, and how as a society, as humans, we have a really hard time distinguishing between the two and also believing facts when we don't have a truth to align it with. 
for an example I used last time I was explaining this, we know that X many people have died of COVID-19, but that doesn't become, you know, that's a fact, but that doesn't become a truth until it's someone that we know, mm. until it's someone's mother, someone's father, yeah. sister, brother, you know, we don't care until it's that. And um, so I, I wanted to distinguish between truths and facts and also talk about how important they are in finding harmony between those things as journalists so that we can compel change. You got that right, because there's always that one person that's like, COVID is fake. You're like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, come on, chill out. It's real, <laughs> you know. I know somebody down the block that just said they got it. All right, it's real. I'm trying to keep my quarantine on. So what do you got to say to those people that say that? Like, I, uh... well, okay. First of all, as someone with a compromised immune system with someone with a chronic health condition um i think everyone should put a mask on and just deal with it but yeah. i know a lot of people don't believe in it and i think that a lot of the people that don't believe in it have been manipulated um, mm -hmm. conspiracy theories um, often prey on people that have insecurities who have who are distanced from the people around them that might be dealing with an undiagnosed mental disorder. Conspiracy theories and cult-like things prey on people. And so I would challenge anyone that has been pulled aside by someone claiming something to look into what people who have spent their lives studying diseases, um, who have spent their lives studying politics and mental health, I would challenge them to look into those things because real scientists are going to post their stuff in academic journals, not YouTube. And I know once you've fallen down that rabbit hole, it's really hard to come out of. And it might be frustrating to hear people telling you that they don't believe you, but having people online validate you. I know that might be scary and frustrating. And I know that having someone in your life that believes that might be scary and frustrating, but I urge everyone to please try to continue having open conversations full of love and respect because I think people around us are being manipulated and being torn away from the social interactions that keep us sane and um, known, know that we're cared about and loved and that makes it so much easier to be manipulated. That is very true. Got that down for real. <laughs> Shout out to everybody, please. Do your research. Don't fall into the rabbit hole of YouTube. Find your academic journals. Read for yourself. Use your observation skills. Critical thinking. There we go. Critical thinking. <laughs> but Use also that. continue to be kind because yes. no one wants to be made to feel like they're stupid. Exactly. Because I don't. Not here. <laughs> Not in this house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well then. We went over all those things. So you said you wrote a book in 2017. Am I am I correct? Yeah. Yep. Killer. What is, what is it about? Without giving too much. <laughs> um, so Killer is a narrative poem following along the story of a serial killer and a victim. And it's... <sighs> I don't want to give everything away and I don't want it to get too personal right now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my bad, my bad. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> it is a book that I wrote out of anger. Oh, um, so, sure. yeah, if you like gore, if you like horror, if you like scary, then this is absolutely a book you would like. If you like revenge, you will like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> There is, uh, there's something about being able to take something that happened to you that you couldn't control and then being able to take some kind of control over it. So I took a series of things that happened to me and um, I fictionalized them and I made them dramatic and allowed myself to write a hero in a situation where I might have been powerless. It's a story about, you know, becoming the thing that you're scared of, but also redeeming yourself. Um, yeah. And 
Yeah, if you like creepy things and you like uh, redemption arcs, read Killer. <laughs> read it. Where can we buy it? Uh, you can buy it on Amazon. Or if you want me to have more commissions, you can contact me. My email is yikeshadley at gmail.com or go to my website at yikeshadley.com. You heard it here. That's where you can buy it. That's where you can find Hadley. And if you want to help, you know, help her out. You know what I'm saying? She a college student. You know what I'm saying? Support her book. Because that book got a, an amazing type, like artwork. Like I, I remember seeing it way back when. I was like, wow. <laughs> Hadley on to something. Do you have any like books in the works that you like to just debut today on the show? Exclusive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so right now I am working on um, another poetry book. Welcome uh, here. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I want to talk about everything that's going into it yet, just because it is still very much in the early works, but okay. I'm really, really excited to share it and um, writing. This is going to be so much different than what Killer was. Um, Killer came from a place of anger and fear. This is coming from a place of growth and love. So I'm really excited to share this with the world and move on to this next chapter of my life. You heard it here, folks. World premiere, Hadley is writing another book that encourages growth and love, contrasting from her last work. So please be on the lookout for that. She's going to premiere that whenever that comes. I'm, I'll probably get my copy. I'll probably get both of them when I can because, you know, <laughs> got to support. Got to. <laughs> what oh here's an idea just randomly just, just came to my mind all of a sudden will any of your books ever become a movie adaptation <laughs> maybe if david lynch directed it i don't know okay <laughs> <laughs> a lot of what i publish is poetry um so if you can find some way to make film out of poetry i would love to hear it <laughs> You heard it here first, directors in the world, please. <laughs> got that book. If you can make it into a movie, you know what I'm saying? Carlo Hadley made the deal, you know what I'm saying? We're trying to get her rich, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Man, I just want to be able to buy ice cream whenever I want to. Lifetime's plan of ice cream. Hurt, hurt it here. Let's get it. <laughs> oh, wow. What are you like your inspirations like for like writing? Do you have like any writers that you like constantly read that you take? Like if I could become the literary baby of Edgar Allan Poe and F. Scott Fitzgerald, mm -hmm. could you imagine the power? That's, that's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. <laughs> I want to be able to both make aggressive social commentary that is gorgeous in writing and lasts over a long period of time and continues to really resonate with people and also be able to make people go oh my god ah. definitely <laughs> you know yeah definitely. i want people to be like i feel love and light and fear <laughs> i could definitely see that <laughs> i sound like a roller coaster i feel love like oh wait now i'm scared what'd you just do to me <laughs> Uh-uh. You know, it's funny. I was going to say Edgar Allan Poe in my head. I was like, you give me Edgar Allan Poe vibes when you're writing. <laughs> I am honored that you feel that way. I do. I do. 100%. That <laughs> is definitely it. Do you have any goals, like, for your senior year of college? Graduate. That is... <laughs> that is a mood. That is a mood. I know I was a college. Yep, that was the mood. I was like, I'm gonna graduate. Like, what you trying? To, I'm trying to graduate. That's it. Yeah. I'm trying to graduate. I ain't, I don't know where I'm gonna be next next year, but I'm just trying to graduate. That's it. Yeah. It's not that. <laughs> People are asking me like, where are you? What do you think you're gonna be? What are your plans after school? I'm like, <laughs> I gotta apply first. I mean, <laughs> I need a degree All right. to go do anything else. So. I'm just kind of in limbo. In limbo, trying to work through these other things, you know, life and, uh, you know. Trying to buy groceries. Yeah, grocery, <laughs> food, sustenance. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
well, how was your day today? I forgot to ask that. Um, oh, um, it was okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's good. Mine, mine was okay too. <laughs> Woke up in a weird mood and I was like, I looked outside and it was thunder and raining. I was like, huh? <laughs> that explains it. To um, my wonderful boyfriend outside of my door with coffee from all right, boyfriend. Shop. So it started off on a really good note, um, and then my uh, my only class for today is one of my um, my English major classes, and uh, in our discussion we started talking about um, abuse and um, domestic violence and right. um, people that can't leave their situation. And I started talking about that um, that cycle and how I've seen that perpetrated in my life, um, yeah. and how people I love have experienced it. And this guy in the class interrupts me and says, "What I think you meant," and I was like, "No, <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't get to talk in this conversation." So that just kind of threw my whole day off. Oh no. <laughs> Shout out to the guy in the last in the last class, man. Why'd you do that? I'm just trying to say my thought. Like, what is you trying to do? Like, no. It's not just like everybody just trying to throw hands. <laughs> you don't want this. I'm trying to say my say my opinion. All right. You just go back to sleeping or looking at your phone like everybody else does. I know you weren't paying attention to the discussion. You just popped up from your computer when you heard a woman speak. You have any like favorite scary movies? Halloween, the Halloween franchise. The new Halloween is incredible. I love Halloween. I love Michael Myers. Stabby, stabby pumpkin. Scary. <laughs> stabby, stabby pumpkin. Michael Myers. Oh, yeah, I like the Halloween movies too. I still need to watch the newest one. Or did I watch it? I the newest one is so good. I did not know what to expect. I was like, oh, it's just going to be like another you know, dumb slasher revamp. And I'm watching it and I'm like, the directing. The directing. Oh my god! The, oh, no, I think I the framing. I'm just like sitting there, and there's that scene where Michael Myers starts dropping teeth. Oh yeah. Over the bathroom stall. I'm like, I had just started dating my boyfriend when this mm -hmm. came out. I'm like hitting his shoulder. I'm like, look at him. Look at the teeth. It's like, oh my god, I'm dating a psychopath. <laughs> you like cat? I got you. <laughs> of. The things that happened to me over quarantine, getting my wisdom teeth was out was probably like the defining moment. I and had how that work in quarantine. <laughs> oh, it was awful. It was, it was a terrible experience. But my two bottom wisdom teeth came out in one piece. They were full. They are beautiful, and they're well on their way to become earrings. For real? Yeah. Dang, that's innovative. I don't think I've ever heard anybody do that. that I'm that's aware first. of You wearing your teeth always. Mm -hmm. That's dope. That's dope. Did you have like any like wisdom teeth funnies? Like when you get like you're super duper high and you're saying weird stuff? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, well, <laughs> when I came out from being under, um, I didn't remember falling asleep at all. So I think the first question I asked was like, is it done? And you know, I've got like a mouthful of gauze and just like, yeah, it, it's done. Are we done? And they <laughs> took me into the recovery room and um, there is just this beat in the recovery room that like, I was, I was vibing right. with it. It was, it was pretty good. I didn't know right. what the song was, but like I was dancing, you know, I'm like, they've got me in this chair. They've got me hooked up to the IV right. to get fluids. I'm, I'm bopping. Bop. You know, it was, it was a bop. And then my mom comes in I was like, oh, it's my mom. Right. And uh, cause she, you know, she was picking me up from surgery. And uh, I'm, she's like, what are, you, what are you dancing to? I'm like, this music, it's great. And it was my pulse. It was, it was the, it was the harmonica. Pulse was grooving that day. <laughs> so yeah, I, um, I was really happy coming out from being, being under. Everything was great. And uh, then all the pain meds wore off and there was a ton of blood coming out of my mouth. And uh, then it started hurting really bad and it wasn't fun after, but coming out from being under that was fun would do again somebody asked you how'd you make your first billboard chart hit it was my pulse man it was the pulse <laughs> the pulse has the rhythmic beat that's all i gotta tell you like what this is your heartbeat yep. my heartbeat is fire 
Definitely. <laughs> do you have any favorite songs? You know, on this Talks with AQ podcast, we always talk about music and all that. So do you, do you have any favorite songs you like nowadays in 2020? Um, currently, mm-hmm. I am... I'm on two sides of the music spectrum right now. All right. Um, right now with what I'm vibing with is I am loving Taylor Swift's new album. Okay, I'm a diehard Taylor Swift fan. I love her. I love her. I have loved her since I was 10 and I will never stop loving her. Okay. I love Taylor okay. Swift. So like folklore came out. It came out of nowhere. It's incredible. It's very well written. It's beautiful. It's this other side to it I don't think we've heard before. It's very honest. And um, I really like that about it. It's very, very pretty. And then on the other side of that, I love the Callus Dow Boys. They are an Atlanta mathcore metal band. And they are incredible. Incredible. I So like, from what I've been listening to, I'm kind of in my car and it's Taylor Swift folklore and it is gentle and she is right. speaking to me and I am in the trees and then it's fake dinosaur bones <laughs> and I am ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. Oh yeah. Oh my, that is a contrast. That's dope. I totally respect that grind. <laughs> I really, really miss concerts. Like oh, that is the too. worst part of the pandemic because like when all of the social ick came up um, and there were so many people on my feeds just being nasty, I wanted more than anything to just get in the pit and get thrown. But no, it was no. not happening. But I wanted it to happen. <laughs> please, please. I, I, like, I'm away for this. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed, like, I'm gonna, I, I need to ask. Um, yes. Because um, my boyfriend's sibling is in the Callous and Cowboys. And I just, I really need them to have a show at, like, a trampoline park. So they wow. can just pick me up and, like, throw me into one of those foam pits. Yeah. I just need to be thrown into a foam pit, and then I think all my problems will go away. That would be really dope. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need you need to get on that. No, I need no. I need that to happen to me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would it would it would reduce all the stress. Oh, throw you in a pit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would feel better first. immediately. <laughs> you you heard it here first, sponsored by Headley. <laughs> throw yourself in a pit. Everything will be good. That's it. <laughs> Speaking of live concert, I miss them too. I wanted to go around and do my live concerts for my stuff or whatever. And I've just been resorted to the live streams. And all yeah, that. it's not the same. Not the same, no, it's not. And it happened when My Chemical Romance got back together. What the heck? <laughs> it's like the world is like against me feeling joy. I... Right when that came out, you were like, yes. And then you realized what you were in. Oh. Yeah, they got, <laughs> they got back together. They announced their tour dates. They were going to be in Atlanta for Music Midtown. And then... And some people could not wear their masks. Mm. And now here we are. Did you already have your tickets at that time? No, because I'm poor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a broke college student. I was going to wait. And uh, so it's definitely a good thing I didn't buy tickets. That's a move. I'm a broke college student. What you think this is? It's not my time. (laughs) (laughs) They don't pay me enough, but they do sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's like it's super wild how today is, but I I really hope that everybody gets their act together so that we can have somewhat of a normal again, and we can get back to what we do best, you know? Mm -hmm. Because it it gets very frustrating. Because it was like my birthday in May. Absolutely frustrating. It was my birthday in May, and I was apparently supposed to go to a concert on my birthday. (laughs) Nope. Yeah. Quarantine. (laughs) I feel you. I turned 21 during quarantine. I was like, I was supposed to go out today. But instead, I'm in my bedroom playing Animal Crossing, which any other day would have been great, but that was not what I wanted for my 21st. <laughs> playing Animal Crossing, maybe sipping on a little, little good good, but that's about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just living my life at 21, playing Animal Crossing, sipping on what I like, um, but this is not where I want to be, honestly. I want to be thrown <laughs> in the pit 
off the trampoline. Like, y'all oh. think this is a game. Like, come on now. What a dream. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Inspirational. You know, talk to Iggy, we talk about inspiration. That's an inspirational moment. And since this is your show, you should be honored. You know, this is everything about you. This represents you. And hey, who knows? You know, maybe it'll, it'll boost your sales up on, you, on your books. And somebody will be like, dang, that Hadley person, she's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you think that I'm cool or you like me, you are legally required to tell me because I thrive off of compliments. She thrives off of compliments. It's like, you know how Tinkerbell dies if like people don't believe in her or give her enough attention? That's Mm -hmm. me. So like. That's a a good comparison. (laughs) (laughs) She said, you see how Tinkerbell is? Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. Don't let me die. You better believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be the compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. Uh-uh. Well, I don't know what your plans are in your semester. But since... Me neither. Yeah, me neither. Me neither either. I've just been doing these podcasts or whatever and just living life day by day, which is cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I thank you for being a guest on the show today. Wow. Thank you for having me. This is super fun. No problem. No problem. It is. It's always always is. And I can have you back to talk about anything else. Could be about anything that relates to you. Or you can let me know. Like, hey, I'm me. Hey, I want to get on the show. Talk about it. I'm like, hey, cool. Yeah, I can. It's a whole episode dedicated to Hadley. And (laughs) last but not least, where can we find you, Hadley? Where can the people find you so that they can get connected with you? Yeah. So um, my at on literally everything is Yikes Hadley. Y-I-K-E-S-H-A-D-L-E-Y. Um, or you can just go to my website, yikeshadley.com, where I have all my socials linked. Um, feel free to shoot me a message or uh, come to a poetry reading or Ooh. whatever you feel like doing. Oh, yes. Poetry readings. I love those. I love that. And hey, you got to let me know when that capstone presentation will be because I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I would love to have you there. Uh, I would love to see it. Uh, thank you once again. I hope yes. you have an amazing rest of your day. Don't get too stressed out. I know colleges. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to take a nap with my cat and then go back to doing all the work. All right. That's a move. You heard Self-care. Self-care with your cat. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right.